Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Today I have a guest all the way from Ontario, Canada, I believe. Mm-hmm. He is the author of The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. He's also the best-selling author of Do More Great Work, the founder and senior partner of Box of Crayons, which is best known for their coaching programs that help time-crunched managers coach in less, 10 minutes or less, Michael Bungay-Stanier. Thanks for joining me. It's pretty exciting to be here. Thanks for having me, Brandon. So, Michael, you just released The Coaching Habit. I did read it cover to cover, as I had mentioned before we started recording. What did, what inspired you to write this book? That you know, that's a great question because honestly, I wanted to give up on this book about five times. I mean, <laughs> so this is my fifth book, and honestly, after book number four, I'm like, I kind of got the hang of how to write a book. You know, it's not always easy, but with some things, it's like I, I I figured it out, and you just keep going, and you work through the hard stuff, and you get to it. This book came close to killing me. I mean, honestly, it was it was hard. I wrote four bad versions of the book before I finally got to what I think now is a good version. And there were times, Brandon, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm just, I'm just keen to walk away from whatever this is. But there's a couple of things that kind of pulled me back. The first is just on a purely business reason, which is, you know, as you said, Box of Crayons, our focus is entirely on giving busy managers and leaders practical skills so they can coach in 10 minutes or less. So I was like, this book will really help the business. You know, it'll feed the business. It'll support the business. It's, a, it's just a good business decision. And if you're, if you're a book writer, an author, you come to know pretty quickly that nobody makes any money from books. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a miserable, it's a low paid job to be a book writer. But if you have a way of connecting it to a business, then it makes more sense. But, you know, a, bit, a more important reason for me is that I think, uh, you know, our, our mission as an organization at Box of Crayons is to help people do less good work and more great work. You know, good work, your job description, productive, efficient, getting things done, what all of your listeners spend most of their time doing. But great work is the work that has more impact. You know, it makes more of a difference. It's strategically important. But it's also work that has more meaning. So it's the work that engages you and you care about and that speaks to your values and that you kind of light up and you go, that's why that's why I signed up for this job, to do this type of work. And for me, coaching is just one of the most powerful managerial things you can do to help you and those around you have more impact and work less hard, stay focused on the great work. Because with coaching comes focus. With coaching comes uh, autonomy and self-sufficiency and self-belief. And I guess I'll just say one other thing, Brandon, before I get off my soapbox, because you got me on a soapbox. I'll, I'll step off it in just a minute. You can stay on the soapbox. It's <laughs> great. banging away. Um, one of the things that I'm trying not to do is turn people into coaches. 
Because, you know, quite rightly, there's a whole bunch of people who are listening now going, I honestly don't want to be a coach. I've met coaches. Yeah, I don't want to be that. Okay. But they are thinking, God, I would love to be able to be more effective and have more impact in the work that I do. I'd like to be more coach-like so that the interventions and interactions I have with people are more successful. And that's what this book is about, trying to make people more coach-like so that they and those around them have more impact in the work they do. And I think it's a great point. So you want them to be more coach-like, not necessarily just be a coach. Do you think people are even practicing this right now? As So as managers and leaders, are do people have coaching tendencies? I think there's a reason why you wrote this book. Yeah. And maybe you believe that most people aren't doing this. Yeah, that, that's what I believe. I believe most people are advice-giving maniacs. I mean, they love it. They don't. You, people don't even know oh, how much they love yeah. it. But, you know, it's like... You, I watch it time and time again in our programs. You know, people are 15 seconds into a conversation with somebody they've never met before. So they don't know who that person is. They don't know what's going on. But they have some pretty good ideas that they would like to share about how to fix the solution that they've heard 20 seconds about so far. So you know, for good reasons, we are wired to want to give advice. We spend our whole lifetime practicing and being rewarded for and encouraged into giving advice. It's a deep habit for us. And there is a place for giving advice. I mean, I'm not saying, Brandon, never give anybody mm-hmm. any advice or help ever again. I'm just saying your, your advice-giving muscle, overdeveloped. It's like one of those weird biceps you see on people who have steroid rage. And your coaching muscle, being more coach-like, underdeveloped. And we're trying to just balance things out a little bit. You said there's a place for advice-giving. But if you're, if you're going to sort of put yourself in a camp, do you like the Socratic method of coaching where you're asking questions. I mean, that is really what your book's about. You give seven amazing questions. Right. And so I'm, uh, I'm going to assume that yeah, yeah. you love asking questions instead of giving advice. Well, I, it, it, you know, it's, I do love asking questions rather than giving advice, but not just for the sake of questions, for the sake of questions. It's because it just works a little bit better. You know, there's a fundamental behavior shift that I would hope for people who read the book. And it doesn't sound very difficult. It's harder than it sounds. It is to stay curious just a little bit longer mm. and to rush into advice giving and action just a little bit slower. And we, are, we, we rush to action. We rush to advice. So, so much of what this book is about is let me show you some ways to make being curious something that you can be much more often as a, as a daily habit. So the book's titled The Coaching Habit. What is The Coaching Habit? Not to give everything away, yeah. but just a little little sneak peek. Yeah, sure. So the, uh, fundamentally, it's just what we were saying, which is about, okay, so how do you stay curious? And how do you stay curious a bit longer? And to make that easy for people uh, in the book, and the book's a fast read. I don't know if, if you found that, but... Um, I did. I, I finished it in a day. Yeah, perfect. Uh, just a couple hours. I, I wrote it. The goal I set myself is what's the shortest book I can write that would be the most useful? Because, you know, I know you talk to authors all the time, I don't know how you find most business books, but you know, between you and me and your vast audience, most of them are terrible. I mean, they're ter- they're they're hard to read. They're dense. Your heart, too much science involved. Your heart sinks as soon as you open the first page because it's like tiny type. You know, they fleshed out a slightly dodgy idea with stories of great, you know, Southwest Airlines because that's the only company they've ever heard of. You know, it's frustrating. So I was trying to not write that book. I wanted it to be elegant and lean and practical. So in the book, we've got three elements. The first is the first chapter, which is here's what a habit is. Here's how you build a habit. 
And you know, there's a ton of terrible advice out there about habit building. The classic being, if you do it for 21 days, it becomes a habit. Okay, that's a lie. Somebody just made that up. Okay, and what we do in the first chapter is offer the new habit formula. It's a very simple but powerful formula based on good work from Charles Duhigg and B.J. Fogg and others around his here's the structure of of a habit, how you build a new habit. And then the other two parts, one is uh, there are seven essential questions, which you mentioned, which I think if you have these seven questions in your back pocket and you use them regularly, you'll go a long way. And then the other parts kind of in between the major chapters are just little tips on how to ask a question well. So not only do you know the question, but here's how you actually ask it in a way that will get maximum effect. So everything from getting comfortable with silence to stop asking fake questions. You know, fake questions are those ones that sound like, have you thought of, or did you try, or or what about, none of which are questions at all. It's just advice with a question mark attached on the end. There's a couple, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk about some of the essential questions. I don't want to go over all of them because I think people should absolutely read the book. But uh, one of the most profound... Seven essential questions, two of which we may reveal to you now. We may reveal them right now. One of which I want to talk about the kickstart question. This one, (laughs) I loved it. I mean, to me, it was profound. It's so simple. But... Uh, tell tell listeners how they can jumpstart a conversation well, the right way. Well, I, I will, but let me ask you what 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 is it about it that made you go? Oh, I love this question. What what kind of grabbed you about it? It's because I think naturally we are we're jumping into conversations without asking a question, right? And we do it the wrong way. And I, I think by simply asking what's on your mind. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's it's it's incredible. It's uh, so that that's the kickstart question. You heard Brandon just say it. What's on your mind? And his point is spot on, which is when we get into conversation, quite often we are coming with an agenda, either explicitly or implicitly, about what this conversation is going to be about. So already you're in control. Already you're trying to shape the direction this goes, and that's true whether it's a formal kind of one-to-one meeting or a team meeting or a kind of informal interaction. You're like, okay, let's get into it. And what's on your mind is a powerful way to start a conversation because the first thing it does is it asks the other person to make the choice. So it gives them autonomy. And you know, one of the things that we talk about in the book in more detail is the neuroscience of engagement. How do you keep people engaged? And one of the four key drivers of that is a sense of autonomy. You may have come across autonomy as well if you've read the Dan Pink book on Drive, where he talks mm-hmm. about purpose, mastery, and autonomy as well. So that's a, a powerful act. And that's what all these questions do. You trust the other person to start figuring out the answer. But you're not saying to them, so just tell me anything you want. <laughs> you're saying, of all the things that are going on, what's most exciting or most worrying or most consuming or most overwhelming or what's waking you up at four o'clock in the morning? Let's start talking about something that matters. Because here's the, here's the, I guess, foundational belief we have around this thing about coaching for busy folks like the folks listening to this podcast. The first is we're not looking to add anything to your current workload. Because, you know, heaven knows you're too busy to have anything added to what you're already doing. What we're looking to do is transforming the current interactions you already have with the people you work, your direct ports, your peers, your boss, your customers, your clients, your vendors, all of these people, you can use these skills. 
The second piece, which Brendan's already mentioned, is you, this is about coaching in 10 minutes or less. If you don't have, can't do it in 10 mm. minutes, you don't have time. That means you have to know how to get to the real meat of the conversation fast. And that's what I think you like about what's on your mind, Brandon, which is it just accelerates the conversation into the stuff that really matters. And I think that's such a good point. That's why I did like it is because how often do we start conversations, small talk, slowly building it up. And then by, you know, the hour long one-on-one we've had, the end of the one-on-one was the best because you finally yeah. built up. It's like, and oh my God, you, we've, got, we've just got four minutes left. Yeah. What, what should we talk about? Well, here's the exactly. thing. Oh my God, that's the thing? Oh no, yeah. that time's up. Sorry, I'll see you again in a month. It's like, no. <laughs> you make an amazing analogy in, in the later in the chapter about James Bond movies and just action movies in general, where yeah. they always start out with action. They always, yeah. with somebody jumping off a <laughs> cliff like, or a car bang. exploding. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like all those amazing action movies. And the reason why we get hooked is because it starts starts off immediately right. with exactly. action. You don't have any kind of like, look, it's a, it's a five minute, you know, setting shot of a rolling field to like, okay, suddenly James Bond is beating the hell out of somebody or leaping yeah. off a cliff or, or driving a car or something. And you're like, and wow. You, and you want yeah. that kind of that same almost little adrenaline rush at the start of your conversation. It's like, okay, good. We're here. Look, let's not beat around the bush. Tell me, what of all the things we could talk about, what's on your mind? Or you know, yeah. a variation. Okay, you've got a lot going on. Where should we start? You know, same sort of thing which is like i trust you point me to the thing that's going to be most useful for us to talk about right now let's talk about the focus question Good. and I, I love this because you, you sort of have at least from the notes that i even took you have you've sort of broken down the focus question in a couple different ways that you could phrase it yeah what's the challenge what's the real challenge here for you like there's you just sort of built upon what you know, most people may ask as a question, but you know, talk about that and why, why that was your focus question. Okay, so the, 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 the pain point, if you want to use that language, about why and why the focus question matters is in most organizations, people are working very hard to solve the wrong problems because they thought that the first things that show up are the real things. The first challenge is the real challenge. Sometimes it is, but not very often. So what's really powerful about the focus question is it spends a little more time trying to get clear on what the real challenge is so that when you do move to action and advice, you're fixing the real thing, not the first thing. And just as Brandon said, um, the way we phrase the focus question is this, what's the real challenge here for you? And it is useful to see how this builds up because you could just ask somebody, so what's the challenge here? Yeah. And you're going to get a response, but it's probably going to be a bit top line and a bit superficial and a bit kind of, this is just the first thing that popped into my mind. You could ask, what's the real challenge here? And you can feel already that's a different quality to that question, right? Now they, they can't give you the first thing they think of. They've got to think about, they've got to make a decision of all the stuff going on. What's the real challenge? But I think the magic happens when you ask, what's the real challenge here for you and that for you is the is the kind of the magic juice here because what that does is it takes the spotlight away from the challenge onto the person who's dealing with the challenge so you know i'm talking to brandon about his podcast and how to make it better i go okay brandon what's the challenge with your podcast oh you know what i i don't have as many people listening to it as i was hoping okay brandon what's the real challenge with your podcast 
you know, it's a really competitive marketplace and I'm just one of people talking to small business about HR stuff. Okay, Brandon, what's the real challenge here for you? You know what? I love doing the interviews, but I'm just less confident about the whole marketing thing. And that's, and I, I'm a bit anxious about trying to go, should I invest in the marketing thing or should I just build it and hopefully they will come? And can you see immediately how that focus of the conversation has shifted? And by asking what's the real challenge here for you, now Brandon's solving the challenge, but he's also growing himself and his own awareness and his own insight about what's going on and about himself as well. And Brandon, you know, I apologize because I just made all that stuff up about your podcast. You're but, spot you know, on. It's okay. just big, <laughs> Brand, you can't. I'm, I can see Brandon because the video's on. He's crying at the moment. Okay, but he's, <laughs> he's put his thing on mute so you can't hear the tears trickling onto so the. So glad I have a box of tissues right next I, to me. <laughs> and box of crayons, your box of tissues. It's perfect. So I love it. I mean, there's five other questions that are within the book. I, I definitely encourage people to go read it. I wanted to ask you though, Michael, with these questions. Can you ask these when you're not in person? Because this does seem like it would be better face-to-face. But, yeah. I mean, with the virtual world that we have nowadays, can you ask it over email? Oh, yeah. Skype? I mean, okay, let me tell you a, a thing that I know plays a bunch of people. It'll be true for some people listening in for sure. You get that email. It's that email. You know, that long, rambly email That's... you get from somebody. And you're like, oh. So you can't just scan it because it's too dense. There are too many paragraphs. So you do scan it once and you don't quite understand it. So you then read it again more thoroughly and you're starting to see what it's about. And you read it one more time and you're like, okay, I think I got this. And then you type at the top, uh, okay, see my answers below. And then after each paragraph, you start inserting your thoughts, your opinions, your advice, your ideas around that. And, you know, it takes you 20 minutes to kind of deal with this singular email that's popped into your inbox. And it slows you down and frustrates you and kind of sucks you into saving the person, fixing the solution. So here's a suggestion about how to do things differently. I'm going to give you two suggestions. You go, hey, dear Brandon, thanks for the long email. Wow, lots going on here, I know. Let me ask you, out of all of this stuff, what's the real challenge here for you? Send. Boom. Exactly. And this is what happens to Brandon when he gets that email back. He goes, Oh, man, have, have you been on a training course? Have you read a book recently? What is this? What, what, what juju magic is this? But the second time you do it or the third time you do it, he's going to get the understanding that he can't get you to do his work for him. He has to help figure out what the real challenge is. You know, a variation on this, and this comes from question number four or five in the book, The Lazy Question. And it sounds like this. Hey, Brandon, wow, thanks for the email. Lots going on here. Before I jump in, just out of curiosity, what exactly do you want from me? Send. Because mm. what you're doing otherwise, potentially, is you're just making up a whole lot of stuff about what you think they need, and you're spending a lot of time giving it to them. And the truth is you don't really know, particularly with those annoying people who send you something and then just go, thoughts, question mark. It's like, ah, don't, don't respond to that. They don't want your thoughts. They want you to save you in some way. Go, look, I've got some thoughts, but I'm really curious. What exactly do you think the real challenge is? What exactly do you want from me? Or how exactly can I help? Send. And I promise you it's going to save you hours if you're a person who gets emails like that. 
Well, uh, I don't know if I could speak for the other listeners, but that is one habit I'm going to change. The <laughs> thoughts, question mark, that is something I definitely do. Yeah. It's like, so so love that you're picking that up because if you're that person who sends the long email with thoughts on it, I was going to say, don't be, dis- I think it's, it's slightly, it's lazy. It is. It's a bit yeah. disrespectful, not lazy in a good way. So it's like, if you've got a request from somebody, ask them for it. So mm-hmm. what exactly do you want? And that's, you know, that's actually what we call the foundation question. You're giving all these questions away now, Brandon. It's like, this is the foundation question, number four in the book, right at the heart. And it's foundational because it's so powerful, which is this. When things get a bit discombobulated, when you kind of get sucked into behavior that's not that useful, when you're feeling frustrated or angry or sad or irritated, ask yourself, what do I want? That's going to tell you something immediately. Ask them, what do they want? So when you get that email from Brandon, he goes, hey, thoughts? You go, hey, Brandon, I do have some thoughts, but I'm just curious, what exactly do you want from me here? And just put the work back to him to make a more specific, clear request. What I love about these questions is it gets people thinking and it makes helps them figure it out for themselves versus just you giving them the answer. And that's why I, when I read the book, I was like, wow, this this could work. This could really work. So I, you know, I started integrating some of those in my normal communication and it really, it, it gets people thinking That's for great. themselves. That's, okay. That's awesome. So when, when people read this book, what is one, what's a common thing that you hear from them? Apart from Michael, how are you so impossibly handsome in your author photo? <laughs> Obviously that a lot, but I'll tell you the thing that I, I, part of the feedback that I, I really love hearing from people is that they laughed a lot during reading the book. They laughed yeah, out loud more than once. Because I do have a thing about business books and self-help books being a bit too kind of pompous and serious and, you know, look how smart I am and this is, you know, this, look how humorless I am at the same time. So one of the things I really try to inject into the book is a sense of lightness and enjoyment. So you're not only getting something practical, but it's actually an enjoyable read. You actually have a laugh out of it. I mean, one of my favorite authors is a guy called bill bryson he's written uh, travel books um he's got a brief- short hi- short uh, history of nearly everything right well, a short history of nearly everything it's just one of my all-time favorite books i, I just finished that about four or five months ago oh, it's, it's a great book. blowing isn't it because he, yeah, I mean, he, he takes science amazing. and his point is you know science is amazing and most of us know nothing about it and he mm-hmm. just makes it magically accessible he's got a gift for, and, and hilarious at the same time yeah. so you know i'm like God, I'd love to be the Bill Bryson of business books. A, because yeah. he has sold 8 trillion books. B, because he's a really funny writer at the same time. So I want to ask you something that's not related to the coaching habit. I was on your website and you have an, a, a page dedicated to like your virtual bookshop, right. bookshelf, basically. What are a couple of those books that you'd recommend to listeners that really tie in with the subject matter and the coaching habit that you think people absolutely, if they haven't read it yet, they need to? Because... About half those books I have read on, yeah. on that on that page, and I, I think you're spot on with a lot of those. Well, let me ask you this. I, I'll give you my answer, but before I do, what's one of the books that you saw on that page that you'd go, oh, look, if you like Michael's book on the coaching habit, here's a connected book that you like that you would recommend to the folks listening in? I'm trying to remember exactly which and, and one's on there. While, while he's working here, just as an aside, this is what it means to be a lazy coach. See what I did there? I was like, that's a great question, and I'm going to give you an answer. You just spun it right back but to me. But before I give you my answer, tell me what your first thoughts are. And and Rand is like, he's, I mean, he's the host of this podcast, but yeah. suddenly the tables have been turned. Now he's sweating it out, trying to remember names of books, and I get to look smart whilst he's doing all the work. And that's 
the benefit you're getting from being more coach-like around that. So a little, a little coaching role modeling there, but I'm like actually that. curious. Was there a book that, that you can bring to mind? I know I put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm trying to remember all that were on there. Hang on one sec. Even if it's not on the list, just a book that you're going, you know, this kind of reminds me of this book a little bit. The, uh, the way you're thinking, you know, there's a couple of books that I like. One is a guy from a guy called Roger Martin. He's a fellow Canadian. Um, and he wrote a book called Playing to Win by with uh, A.G. Lafferty, who's the CEO of Procter & Gamble. And for my money, it's one of the best books on strategic thinking that there is. And what I love about it is at its heart are five questions. You know, here's like, here are the five strategic questions. And when you get them all lined up, then you have a powerful strategy. And what's also great about those questions is that they're scalable. So they actually work if you're an individual, if you're on a team, if you're running a small business, if you're in a business unit of a bigger company, if you're running a big company, they scale up or down to meet you at the scale you're playing at. So that, you know, Roger Martin and A.G. Lafferty, Playing to Win, really excellent book on strategy. So I, I'm looking at your bookshelf now and it's not necessarily tied to the coaching habit, but I, I the way your book's framed, it's, just, it's a different way to look at the world, yeah. the way to look at coaching. Uh, I'd read Reinventing Organizations. Nice. And it was a totally different way to look at business yeah. and the way they're structured. And even though it's it's not necessarily tied to, to coaching, it, it has everything to do with business and the way we're looking at things and interacting with people differently. I'll tell you the, the connection that I have there, because this is a Reinventing Businesses by a guy called Frederick Laloux. And his pieces, are like most books on change and organizations, just a whole load of bollocks because, you know, somebody's just <laughs> trying to make stuff up. And what I love about his stuff is he acknowledges the complexity of most organizational systems, of, of all organizational systems. And he goes, look, you can't just do this linear change process and think that's going to work. Life is complex. You have to understand complexity to actually figure out change. And I, I would try and make the connection to say that, when you ask questions, when you become more coach-like, you're also honoring the complexity of the person, the complexity of the situation to help them figure out a path through all of that. Michael, it's been fun having you on the podcast. I want to uh, wrap up because I know we're, we're going a little bit long, but where can people buy The Coaching Habit? Well, you can buy it at uh, hopefully most bookstores, certainly at Amazon and, and the online stuff. Um, but the, you know, a place to go to is probably thecoachinghabit.com. Um, it's a little hub for the book. And even if you don't buy the book, and you don't have to at all, uh, there's a ton of free resources on that website, from videos to downloads to also, uh, the bookshelf, all sorts of different things. So um, whether or not you're interested in the book, and I hope some of you are, um, you can certainly go there. And I'm going to ask a, a, just a, a bold-faced request, Brandon, which is this. If you do happen to buy a copy of the book, and of course I'd love it if you did, I, I have an outrageous goal, which is by March 1st, 2017, which is the one-year birthday of the book, to have a 1,000 reviews on Amazon. Mm. Now, it's impossible. I have no idea how to make this happen other than to do what I'm exactly what I'm doing now, which is just to shamelessly ask people, if you pick up the book and you like it enough, remembering to think to give the book a review on Amazon would be really appreciated. Yeah. I don't think anything wrong with shameless when you're creating value in the world. Well, so, you. Michael, we appreciate you joining the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll make sure to, to link to the book and to your website on, on the show notes. But it's been a lot of fun. Brandon, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.